I'd like you to open your Bibles tonight if you have them with you, and I trust that you do. If you would go to Genesis chapter 3 with me, Genesis chapter 3, I want to continue on. And I just got to, I got to praying about this, and the Lord spoke to my heart, that these, uh, these Old Testament basic, uh, basics that we're going through might be better served on a Sunday night. Uh, that way, the midweek service, we can have something encouraging, something maybe in the middle of the week uh, could be a little bit different than what we have been doing. And so, anyway, so I want to continue on. We want to, we want to continue on with this. In, in studying the book of Genesis, we said that it's divided up basically. There are four outstanding events, and there are four outstanding characters. The four events are in chapters 1 through 11. That would be creation, the fall, the flood, and the Tower of Babel. The four outstanding characters would be Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. And uh, Lord willing, as we move on through this, that's what we'll be examining as we go through the book of Genesis. We get to the book of Exodus, it'll be a little bit different, of course. And so on as we go through these books. And so here in the book of Genesis, we've already covered creation. We've looked at that, how the Lord created everything in six days, and on the seventh day he rested. And if you recall, do you remember what he said about it? When he looked back on it, he said, man, it was very good. Amen. It wasn't just good. It was exceptionally good. That's what very good means. And, uh, and uh, he had done a good work. And, uh, and then we saw how, how man was formed of the, out of the dust of the earth. And God breathed into his nostrils a breath of life. And man became a living soul. And then, uh, you know, where Eve came from, God caused a deep sleep. And, you know, one of the reasons why was, you know, there are some reasons why when uh, God saw Adam in his need that he had, he said it was good for man not to be alone. And so God brought him a woman made from his rib, and that woman was to be for companionship. It was also to be for, if you will, to complete man, to make him what he needed to be, not to compete with man. Remember what I said? Anything with two heads is a monster, right? Uh, it's kind of a freak, and anything with no heads is dead. And so somebody has to be the lead. And so God sent her along to be a completer for him, and also, God sent man a woman for continuance. They were to be fruitful and multiply and, if you will, and to replenish the earth. And so we saw that this marvelous crown of creation was the creation of man. And so now we want to move on to that next event. And sadly, you know, it's the fall. And you got to remember, you know, after the dove comes the devil. Amen. Now, you'll get that a little bit. We talk about Noah and the ark, right? You get to Noah, man, he sent out that raven. You know why the raven didn't come back, right? You know why? Because the raven, that's, that is a, that's a carnivorous bird, and it could live on the dead carrion that was in the water. And, uh, but that dove didn't find a place for its feet. And so, so usually after the dove, just like in Matthew chapter 3, the dove descended on the Lord Jesus, and in chapter 4 of Matthew, right away he's tempted of the devil. So, you know, the devil just can't stand prosperity. Amen? He just doesn't want you to enjoy the blessings of God. And so, wasn't long after the creation of man, here comes old Slewfoot, all right? And I want us to look at the fall. So, now, remember, man was on probation. While he was in the Garden of Eden, in the Garden of Eden, he was neither he was neither virtuous nor evil in this stage of his life, but he was responsible for his reaction to temptation, and he was going to be tempted. 
And so we must also remember that Eve was the one that was deceived, but Adam deliberately disobeyed God. And the book of, and the book of Tim, Timothy tells us that. Notice what it says, and Adam was not deceived. See, he wasn't fooled into doing what he did. He just disobeyed God. And, uh, and so Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived was in the transgression. That's 1 Timothy 2 and 14. And so let's look at this sad accounting, you know, that takes place, the fall of man. But, but I'm going to tell you, but there's something positive in the end now, and I want you to see this. We're going to get there, all right? So bear with me tonight in the time that we have. Notice, I want you to notice something. Number one, in the fall, the devil and the serpent. The devil and the serpent. Look in Genesis 3 and look in verse 1. The Bible says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, Ye shall not eat of every tree of the garden. So, so you know, the devil put a question mark where the Lord had put a period. And I'm just going to say anything or anyone that comes along that wants to cause a doubt, if you will, as to the truth and veracity of the word of God is doing the devil's work in your life. And you need to shun them. And when I say shun them, what I simply mean is walk away from them. You know, friends are a lot like elevators. Some take you up, some take you down, right? And, uh, and so you've got to use some good judgment about that. Remember we talked about who you allow to influence you in your life. And so, you know, people that want to move you away from the light, those are not the kind of folks that you want to hang around a long time with. The Bible says that evil communications corrupts good manners. You become like those with whom you spend the most time. Listen, if you wanted to get better at golf, if you wanted to get better at fishing, if you wanted to get better at archery, boy, wasn't that guy, what was, it, what was his first name? Sam Bear? What? Fred Bear, that's right. Fred Bear. I hadn't heard that name in a long time until we started talking about it. But if you and I want, we want to get better at archery, we better spend a little time with Fred Bear. Amen? You want to get a little bit better at fishing, maybe you might, what is that guy, last name Houston? What's his name? Jimmy Houston. Yeah, you might want to spend a little time with him. Why? You're going to pick up some good things. And so the devil comes along here in the fall of man. I want you to see their fall. And it starts right here. And you must remember this about our enemy. He is a murderer and a liar. You say, a murderer? Yeah. Oh, listen, he hates God so much that he wanted to do away with God's creation. He wanted to do away with God's man, if you will, there in the garden. And that was Adam. And he used the serpent to do it. Now, isn't it interesting? The serpent appears to have been upright. I don't know if he was called up in a tree or not, but I know this. He could talk. He could talk. You say, man, do you believe that? With all my heart, I do. I don't have any problem believing that. I just know that part of the curse is, man, now he's going to be on the ground in the dust of the earth. So he must have been in some other, he must have been in some other fashion or whatever uh, prior to that. And, and so we know that he comes along. But listen to what the Lord Jesus said in John 8, 44. He said, you are of your father, the devil. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Now, the Lord Jesus said that concerning the devil. I believe what the Lord said. Amen. Don't you? You ought to. We ought to. The devil is a liar, and his power lies or lays in his ability to deceive. 
And that's exactly how he did it. And so he starts down a downward spiral for Eve. Now, why she's there by herself, I don't know. Why is she hanging around the only tree in the garden that they couldn't really have anything to do with? Now, they could dress it and keep it. They just weren't supposed to eat of the fruit of that tree, remember? In the day, they only had one verse of Scripture, only had one verse of all the trees that were there. You think about all the fruit trees that were there in the garden, all the good things to eat, all, and what, you know, as soon as you tell somebody no, they immediately are drawn to it, aren't they? In the day and hour in which we live, that is true. I mean, it's just like when the library put that stuff out about, this is banned book week. What do you do? You create a curiosity. People want to know, well, why is this banned? Well, the only way to find that out is to check the book out and read it. Mm. Beloved, you know that old thing, curiosity killed the cat? Yes, it can. Sometimes putting your nose where it doesn't belong can hurt you. Amen. 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 Leave it alone. Remember that passage in the book of Proverbs? He that passeth by and meddling with strife that doesn't belong to him is like what? It's like one that takes a dog by the ears. You try to take a dog by the ears, you might, might wind up getting bit. Amen. You wind up getting hurt. You'll wind up getting hurt. And so there's a downward spiral and it starts right here with a doubt. Yea, hath God said he shall not eat of, the, of every tree of the garden. And then notice, I want you to notice there's a distortion that takes place. Look in verse 2, and the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. That was true. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, ye shall not eat of it. Now watch, neither shall ye touch it, lest ye die. Was that true? No, that is not true. That's not what God said. God never said anything about don't touch it. He said, don't eat of it. But she added something here to the word of God and it gets her in trouble. And so you and I, that's why, you know, that's why you and I, we need to be careful about when we learn the word of God and we memorize some of it, we hide it in our heart. Well, you know, if you need to go back, get your Bible out, read it. it it's no crime. I haven't, listen, have you memorized, sister, why haven't you memorized every song in the songbook yet? <laughs> you know, why do we have them out there in the pew? I mean, certainly, gosh, you guys have been around forever. And you've been in church for a long time. So for decades, you haven't memorized all the words to all the songs. Well, of course not. We don't think it. To, we don't think that there's something wrong with you know from the neck up when you get the song book out. You hold it in front of you. And you look down at the page, and you read it. Have I messed up some of the verses, brother? Since I've been here, I absolutely have. Have any? Of you, I'm not going to ask you that. <laughs> if any of you have, but I just want you to know. Listen, if you need to get your Bible out and read it to somebody. If you, don't, you know, I've, 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 I've tried to quote something. I said, man, don't do that. Let's just go over and read it. Why? Because you need the truth as it is found in the word of God. And bless her heart, Eve didn't do that. She added something too. She distorted something here. And, and you know, and the danger got in there when she started to have a conversation with the enemy. Listen, you and I are no match. You know what might have been a better question? Might have been a better thing to say? You know, she say, well, you know, I, I can't verify that, but I really wish you'd talk to my husband. Why don't you wait and ask that about my, why don't you wait and hold that question until my husband gets back? I don't know where he was in this conversation. I don't know where he was at the time. I'm not going to get on him about leaving her alone. Maybe he might have been in some other part of the garden taking care of something. But you know, but this is how the devil works. 
He likes to pick on those that are around you. Remember when the Pharisees were given when, when the Pharisees were given Jesus trouble, they didn't all the time confront him. They did in the beginning till they found out that they were no match for him. So then what did they do? They came around to some of the disciples and they tried to work on that. And so the enemy is always after, uh, if you will, when I say a, a weak link, I'm not I'm not talking about that again as inferior, but they're looking for some way to get next to you. Now, the devil could have done this, could have used the serpent in dealing with Adam, but he didn't. He went after the woman, and she was deceived. And so then, so then look in verse 4, and, then, and the serpent said to the woman, Ye shall not surely die. What started off as a doubt turns into a denial. And he just says that's not true. And what he does, he calls God a liar. And God was not a liar. I mean, you know, because when you think about it, look in verse 5. And now he's going to defame God. You know what I mean when I say defame? What do I mean? It means to, if you will, talk to slander. To, to talk about their motives. No, no, notice what he says. For God doth know that in the day you eat thereof, your, then your eyes shall be open, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. What he's really saying now, he defames the Lord, and he says, you know what, you know what? if God, you're not really going to die. That's not what's going to happen. It's just the fact that God doesn't want you to have this fruit because he knows you'll be just as smart as he is if you were to eat of it, and God doesn't really love you. God doesn't really care about you. That's what he puts in their heart. And you know, sometimes when you're already maybe down a little bit or whatever, he loves to get you by yourself, which is what happens here. Kind of work you over, accuse you. I mean, he is the accuser of the brethren. All those things wrapped up into one. And you know, sometimes, you know, a good answer is, you know, he might say, well, you know what? You're a pretty sorry Christian. And you know, and you, sometimes you might have to say, well, you know, devil, you're right about that. But Jesus died for me and I've trusted him. You know, because the devil will use the truth if that works better than a lie, amen, he'll do that. And so, uh, you know, you might just say, well, you know, you really messed that up. You're, you know, you're right. Devil, you're right. I did. I messed that up. But Jesus died to save me, amen, and my sins are gone. It's just good to remind him. He, he, he won't hang around when you, when you give him a good response, amen. But listen, but you and I are no match for him. That's why we need the Lord. Even Michael, the archangel, he didn't bring a railing accusation against the devil. I remember Brother Sammy Allen. You, you know Sammy Allen. He'd preach to you for a little while, then he'd turn around and he'd be like, ah, he'd preach at the devil for a little while, amen? I'm probably not going to do that, all right? But my point is, is that, beloved, you and I, boy, we just need to be near the shepherd, don't we? We need to be near the shepherd. She might have said, you know, really, if you want to talk so about this, why don't you ask God about this, Mr. Snake? I bet you God could give you the right answer about it. Oh, he, he'd have fled, he'd have fled. So, boy, we need to look to our Savior, amen? We need to look to our, our good shepherd, the chief shepherd. And so God is not loving. And then, you know, it makes it sound like God's not truthful. Boy, and, you know, our God, he cannot lie. God is truth. God is light, and there is no darkness in him. And so, so he begins to say, man, God's not truthful. God's not loving. God's not righteous and holy. In other words, we say, man, you won't die. God won't punish you. He won't do that to you. What he's saying is God is not righteous and holy. He's also saying that God is never, God is not being gracious. In other words, you're never going to be fulfilled, Eve, until you are, until you are your own God. And there's a lot of people that are like that. 
Adrian Rogers said this. He said it was the devil's fib in Adam's rib, and here comes women's lib. <laughs> I like that. The devil's fib, Adam's rib, and women's lib. Ladies, you won't be fulfilled until you're your own God and have your own head about you. Boy, he defames the Lord. He does. He tries. And here comes the deception. Look in verse 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the eyes, now watch, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, she took of the fruit thereof and did eat. You know what? That matches up with those three things that you and I have to deal with. The lust of the flesh, she saw that it was good for food. The lust of the eyes, she said it was pleasant to the eyes. And number three, the pride of life. This will make me smart. I'll be like God if I do this. And, uh, and so desired to make one wise. And she took of the fruit thereof and did eat. And then the latter part of verse six, here is the disobedience. You see, it all started with a doubt. It becomes then a distortion, a denial, the defaming, the deception. And then lastly, disobedience. And look what it says. And she and gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. You know, here you know here's what you have to understand that uh, in in the meaning of this, what happened was that that Adam, you know, he had a choice right there about what he was going to do, but he loved her more than he loved the Savior, more than he loved God. Saw her in her condition. It chose her over him. That's what happened. Because Adam disobeyed. He had an opportunity. I don't know, you know, something else would have happened. I don't know how all that would have transpired. But I do believe that God would have rescued her in that. But Adam didn't do that. So I want you to see, look with me in verse 7. I want you to see not only the fall, but I want you to see their futility. If something is futile, it means it's not really going to do anybody any good. It's a waste of time. And so look, I want you to see their handiwork. Notice what it says. Look in verse 7. And the eyes of them were both opened. And they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves apron. Their eyes were opened and they saw each other in a totally different light. Oh, they knew some things that they didn't know before. Remember, he said, he said man, God knows if you ate that, that your eyes would be opened. You know what? What were they open to? They were open to shame. They were open to being afraid. They were open to the nakedness, things that they had never known before. See, he didn't tell them that. He didn't give them the whole story. And that's what the devil does a lot of times, a half-truth, something here or there. And so they had not known shame, but now they did. They had not known fear, and now they did. They had not known corruption, and now they did. I mean, they really thought, you, you wonder how far did they fall? They really thought that the fig leaves were going to work. It was their own handiwork. And that's what man, you know, listen, man is religious by nature, the fallen man. And that's what they were trying to do here, finding a way where they could fellowship with God. Again, they knew he was going to come in the garden. They knew he was going to come. They wanted to be prepared. And yet what happened? They have the fig leaves. But when God came, what did they do? They went and hid. You see, they were hiding. They were hiding man's religious prideful efforts. He tried to fix himself. 
And that's what men do. I don't need God. I don't need Calvary. I don't need a Savior. Uh, Jesse Ventura, do you all know who Jesse Ventura was? He was, a, I think he was a Navy SEAL at one time. He was the governor of Minnesota. Uh, I think he was a Hollywood actor, done some other things or whatever. You know what he said about Christianity? He said, it's a crutch. He said, because y'all are weak, you have to have a crutch. I don't have to have that. And all I can say to Mr. Ventura is just don't die. <laughs> just don't die. Boy, you got, you're doing so good. I mean, you held all these offices, got all this money. Just don't die, sir. Just find a way to keep living on forever in this life. But we know that that's not going to happen. One day, Jesse Ventura is going to die. And he'll know the truth. Just like that guy. Who was that, who was that guy that was in a wheelchair and spoke through a little thing here? What is his name? You know, he, he, he denied God. He was the one that talked about time and space. Oh, what is his name? If you can think of it. Hawkins. Yeah, Stephen Hawkins. Well, Mr. Hawkins has got the truth. Did you know what? He died. Uh, Carl Sagan, with all his billions and billions and billions of stars, uh, Mr. Sagan's got the truth because he died. Amen. He died. I hope they knew the Lord when they exited this world. Hopefully they didn't enter a Christless eternity. But that's what happens to men. So here their handiwork, religious, prideful, they try to fix themselves. And so their futility, they were hiding. I mean, it shows you how far that Adam had fallen. Here he'd gone from speech and naming the animals and doing all these things to actually believing that he could hide from the one that made all this stuff. You know, remember there was a time those commercials, I've fallen and I can't get up. Well, that's exactly what happened to Adam. He fell and he couldn't get up on his own. Amen. And, and so here he is. And so they're hiding in their efforts that, to bring peace. If, if all that was going to work, why were they afraid? If they really had peace with God, why were they afraid of his presence when God came to them? And why didn't they answer the questions that he asked? Remember, look, look what it says. Look at verse 9. And the, and the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? And he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. And he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee? that thou shouldest not eat. And the man said, the woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. That's not what God asked. He didn't say who was to blame. He said, who told you that you were naked? You see, the pride of man, it was so great. They didn't answer God's questions. And they're, you know, so we see their handiwork, it's futile. They're hiding, they can't hide. And their hearts, just like the devil, now being lifted up with pride, what do they do? They're playing the blame game. And he said, it's that woman that you gave to me. That's what Adam said. I mean, he was passing the buck right away. Isn't that amazing? Rather than saying, Lord, I had to make a choice. And I'm sorry, I chose her over you. And I disobeyed. He didn't do that. He said, no, it's that woman. And, and it's the woman that you gave me. Who's he actually blaming? He's blaming God. I wouldn't have been like this if you hadn't have brought her along. Yeah. You ever said anything like that? Boy, you know, there have been some missionaries. I'd be a better missionary if it wasn't for these crummy people. Boy, I'd be a better husband if it wasn't for her. I'd be a better wife if it wasn't for him, if he wasn't so sorry. You know what I say to both husband and wife? Listen, don't gripe about them. You selected them. You chose them. It just makes you look bad when you gripe about them. Amen. It's true. It's true. So it didn't bring peace, so they had to hide. And who'd they hide? Who'd they hide behind? They hid behind each other. Adam blamed God. The woman blamed the snake. 
Notice what she said. And the man said, the woman whom thou gavest to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the woman, what is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, the serpent beguiled me and I did eat. <laughs> she didn't say, yes, Lord, I'm sorry. <laughs> I shouldn't, I got, into, I got into a discussion over here and he tricked me and I'm sorry. It was my fault. No, she doesn't do that. She said, it was that, it was that snake. Part of your creation, God, that you made. If you hadn't made that snake, that wouldn't have happened. You see? And then, you know, it's just like the little boy, you know, that dad came downstairs. He heard some, he heard some commotion in the refrigerator, jars rattling and everything. He comes down there and finds that little five-year-old boy. And that little boy's got grape jelly all around his mouth. And the dad looks at him there in the kitchen like, son, have you been eating jelly? No, sir. <laughs> We laugh about it, but look, you know, didn't, didn't David say they go forth from the womb speaking lies? I know, yes, I know your grandchildren are little angels. I agree, they're little fallen angels. Fallen angels, amen, that need a savior. I love my grandkids, I, you know, but man, I, I pray for them, man. God save them at an early age. They need to be saved. And we got, we got word that our grandson, the youngest one, Luke, has made a profession of faith and even drew a picture, had some hearts on there. There was a picture of Jesus and he was giving him his heart. Amen. And wanted him to be, and he went up and he hugged Jesus and he was doing all these things, uh, you know, in the sincerity of his heart as a, as a, how old is he? As a six-year-old. And so, man, I thank God, man, it'd be better to live that kind of life. Amen. Get saved and live a clean life and never have a testimony to have to get over. Amen. Rather than wait till you're 28 to get in. Their hearts. For their handiwork, their hiding, and their hearts. The man blamed the woman and God, and the woman blamed the serpent. Well, what about their future? I've got a couple minutes here. Look at verse 14 with me. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle and above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go. You see, he was upright before. But now the reason why he slithers along is because of the curse that was placed upon him. So their future, the serpent is cursed. In verse 15, we find out that a seed is promised. And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. And it shall bruise thy head and thou shalt bruise his heel. This is the first prophetical statement about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so what happens here in the garden doesn't take God by surprise. Remember, Jesus Christ is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Before the world began, God knew that his son would come and pay the price and be the sacrifice for man because of what happened. So the serpent is cursed. The seed is promised. Now watch, sorrow and sweat are multiplied. Notice what verse 16 says. And unto the woman he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception. In sorrow shalt thou bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, and he shall rule over thee. Ladies, you have a role. You're not second class citizens because of this. Not second place citizens because of this. You have a great role in creation. And I don't think it's all the time just to keep you barefoot and pregnant. Amen. Let your preacher tell you that. I don't think that. I think that you have, I think that's a part of it. Paul said, I would that younger women would marry, bear children, and guide the home. 
But you have such a role. Listen, the husband is the head of the home, but the woman is the heart. You're the heart, and you set a temperature and an atmosphere that has an impact on everyone around you. Just like Deborah, in the, in, when she was a judge, she was a smart lady, but she was there, and she was an encouragement to a barrack. You know, and I, I, you know, behind a lot of great men have been some great women. And, you know, if you had a prudent wife or you have currently have a prudent wife, you ought to thank God for that. Amen. Because that's from the Lord. Yes, that is from the Lord. Though her sorrow was going to be multiplied, it was a part of what happened back then. And it has carried over to today. I don't know what childbearing was going to be like prior to the fall. But I know there is some discomfort. I know that there is. I've been there. I, I've watched them being born when I went to the labor and delivery, but I watched my own, I watched my own daughter be born. We did that whole crazy Lamaz thing, man. I drove in from Las Vegas and uh, I was really tired after three days of driving and Debbie had called the doctor and, and, uh, and, and I said, could, you know, could you just wait till tomorrow? <laughs> I did. I tell you, I'm terrible. I wasn't saved back then. That's under the blood, ladies. All right. I wasn't saved back then, but I said, could you just wait till tomorrow? I said, I'm wore out. I drove like crazy to get, you know, to get back to, from Las Vegas to Orlando, Florida, for this baby to be born at the Navy base there. And and uh, and and bless her heart, she did. She waited 24 hours. And because I, when I slept till about one o'clock in the morning, I had already taken her to the hospital about 1 a.m. I slept till 1 p.m. in the afternoon. I was that tired. And I woke up and I said to my mother-in-law, I said, well, she had the baby yet? I, I was hoping. She said, no, not yet. She's waiting for you. <laughs> and so I got there and man, I, you know, we got the whole Lamaze thing and I'm saying, okay, pant like a puppy, do, do all this stuff, do all this thing. And I said, she goes, I'm not on that page. And I'm like, well, hurry up and get on this page, you know. And I remember watching her go through that. And Christy was no small baby. Debbie's 4'11". And Christy was 8 pounds, 10 ounces. That's a big baby on a little frame. And yet when they laid Christy up on there and Debbie grabbed a hold of her, she just looked over at me and smiled. Just as the Bible says that a child has been brought in the world. Ladies, I commend you. You go through the valley of the shadow of death to bring that child into the world. I respect you greatly because of those things. I do, I do. And, and God knows that. And yet because of this, we know some things are in place. And you know, a lot of women, they, wear, they wind up marrying men. And I'm just going to be a straight shooter that sometimes you're a lot more brighter. You're a lot more intelligent than what they are. But God brought you there to be a reason to complete that man, to help that man, to encourage that man. Amen. And to help raise a godly generation for the glory of God. That's why he does it. And man, you know, a good wife is from the Lord. That's Amen. why he says a good wife, man, you've obtained a good thing. Amen. Amen. And I hope you appreciate your wife. You need to. All right, so I'm going to get off that because I'm trying to promote marital harmony. Amen. And I don't want her to keep looking at you like, you hear that, hear that, hear, you know, like that kind of stuff, okay? So um, 
But so, so man, their future, the serpent is cursed, the seed is promised, there is sorrow and sweat. Look what happens to the man. And unto Adam, verse 17, because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife and has eaten of the tree which I commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake. In sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of thy life. Listen, it wasn't that now he had to work. He already had a job. He was already working before the fall. But work got harder. Just like childbearing became more painful. And even multiplied the conception. Thorns and thistles it's going to bring. The soil is cursed, you see. Thorns and thistles shall it bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In <clears throat> the sweat of thy face thou thou eat bread, <clears throat> till thou return unto the ground. For out of it wast thou taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust <clears throat> shalt thou return. And so now they have what? The sentence of death. There was no death, remember? Wherefore, as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so that death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. That's Romans 5 and verse 12. And this is where it happened right here. And it has plummeted all of mankind. It's where we are today. But I want you to see their faith. Do you know what the word Eve means? If you look it up, Eve means the mother of all living. Remember, she was just Mrs. Adam before. He said, you're bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, right? She was just Mrs. Adam. But he gives her a name. And he calls her Eve. Why? Adam believed what God said about that promise in verse 15. That this woman is going to have a seed. And that seed is going to take care of that, that serpent's head, that devil. And that devil's going to bruise his heel. But he's going to crush the head of that devil and Adam believed that when he called his wife Eve the mother of all living that life was going to come through her that seed was going to come through what was he doing he was believing God's promise and God counted that to him for righteousness say how do I know that <clears throat> notice what look at verse 21 and unto Adam also and to his wife did the Lord God make coats of skin and what clothed them he clothed them. What was it? It was the innocent dying for the guilty. God clothed them. So I want you to see their faith. They believed God's promise of the, coming, of the coming seed and he clothed them. It was his redemption. It was the means of his redemption, not religion. Religion was the fig leaves. Religion was the hiding. Religion was the, was the other, the pride and all the ritual and so forth. No, no. Here, now God clothes them. This is something the Lord did. That's why you and I, man, we can't earn our salvation. We can't keep it. God is the only one that can give it. Amen. Amen. He's the only one. So, and, and so here's what I want you to see. So the innocent died for the guilty. And then I want you to see their faithful father. And I'm going to be done. Thank you for your patience with me. I'm, I'm going to be done. Look at verse 22. Let's look at this. Notice what it says. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become as one of us to know good and evil. And now, lest he put forth his hand to take also of the tree of life and eat and live forever. I want you to see their faithful father. We saw the fall. We saw their futility. The future that they were going to have to face. Their faith when he called her Eve. And then I want you to see now their faithful father. What does he do? Now think about it with me. What would have happened had Adam eaten of the fruit of the tree of life? 
He's a fallen man now, a lost man, if you will, in that sense. He has a fallen nature on the inside, just like what we have now. And what happened? If he would have eaten of that tree, then Adam would forever have stayed in this duality. Yes, he'd been clothed by God, but he was going to be living in unredeemed flesh for the rest of his life and live forever that way and never know the fullness of redemption that would come by having a new body like we're going to have. Amen. That's what we have. Do you see the significance of that? That's the reason why they were driven from the garden, why God put those cherubs out there with those flaming swords to keep the way because he didn't want fallen men and any of the, pro, of the progenitors that would come after him forever, the children or whatever of these lost men to get to that tree to eat of it and then therefore remain in that fallen condition for the rest of all their days and into eternity. He's faithful. Now think about it. While Adam was in the garden, him staying in the garden depended upon Adam. But now outside the garden, now his, his redemption now doesn't depend upon Adam and Adam's obedience. It now depends upon his father in heaven. Amen. And so Adam was actually better off outside the garden if you will, in the redeemed condition than he was in the garden in that innocent condition because his innocence depended upon him. His redemption now depends upon the Father. So that's the reason why we can say, you know, I'm more saved than I ever was lost. Amen. You are too. If you've been saved by the grace of God, beloved, listen, what the first Adam lost, the last Adam is going to restore everything back. Yeah, that's a blessing. What Adam lost it all. I mean, the, he lost the crown. He lost all those things. But the Lord Jesus has gotten that back. That's why Romans says, Wherefore, as by one man's obedience, Adam had only committed one sin, and he fell. Look how many sins the obedience of Christ has cleansed away, has washed away. It wasn't just one. Remember that the old account was settled? Remember, sis, you're trying to learn that song? There was a list. My name was at the top and many things below. It wasn't just one sin that made, brother, that made me, in, if you will, in need of redemption. It wasn't just one. There were many. And you had many. And one man's obedience, that's the much more of our redemption that we have in Christ. Amen. The much more. Yes, it's true, man fell, but by golly, we've gotten up. Amen. Because the second Adam did for us what we could not do for ourselves. Hallelujah. Man, praise God. And so the last Adam is going to restore all these things. And rather than allow man to live in a fallen condition forever, God drove him from the garden. There was a little boy one time wanted to know, well, what did they ride in? What kind of car? And they said, a car. The son of the said, car. And she said, yeah, well, he, he drove them out of the garden. What kind was it, you know? Must have been a ram. Amen. <laughs> Must have been a ram. I just know this. I just know this. Man, isn't it good that God's in charge Amen. and not men? Isn't it good that he was overseeing all that? That he had a plan and a person in mind before that day ever came. Oh, beloved, it ought to be a comfort to our hearts. Yes, it's true, man fell. But we're actually, we're actually, we're actually doing better 
that if we'd have been in the garden still today, we're doing better. Because had that be so, then our ability to stay would have depended upon us. But I thank God that he doesn't love me, doesn't fellowship with me based upon my performance. Amen. Aren't you glad, amen, that he doesn't do that with you based upon your performance? If we did, there wouldn't be much fellowship going on, amen. All right, let's go to the Lord then. Let's pray one more time. Father, I so thank you, Lord, for this story. It's tragic, dear God. And, and, and we, we rejoice because of what happened. But God, we know that between the garden and the grave, there just was such a terrible price that was paid. It's hard for us to comprehend all. Lord, it, it's hard for us to comprehend what it must have been like to have sweat drops like as of blood. That songwriter said about the cross, it said, Jesus keep me near the cross. And it, one of those passages says, bring its scenes before me. Help me walk from day to day with its shadow o'er me. Help us, Father. Lord, to be, be, to be so grateful for the price that was paid. Yes, Lord, we rejoice and we shout about these things, but God, there, there was no shouting on that day when Jesus died. The only shout was, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Somehow, Lord, in that moment, he was able, you were able to embed his body with the sins of the world. It's just... It's just so hard to comprehend. And yet, Lord, we know that he said it is finished. And it was. And we thank you for it. Father, uh, no wonder it will take eternity, Lord, for us to express our thanks. As we sing those songs there, Lord, and as we worship the Lamb, who was and is and shall forever be. Lord, we love you tonight. And I thank you, dear God, for recording these things for us, that we might see them, glean some things from them, and appreciate them so much more. Help us, Father, this week. Keep that cross o'er us. Help the weight of that to bear upon us in our daily walk. We love you, Father, tonight, and I pray you'll bless as we go to our homes. Thank you for these dear saints, Lord. We pray for Sister Zan, her continued healing and recovery. I pray, Father, they could pinpoint what's going on so they could know how to fix it, how to give some relief, give much grace to our brother as he tries to do his best. And I believe he does, Lord, to look after his wife. And I pray you'll help him, Father. Refresh him, Lord, in these days. In Jesus' name, amen.